Hello, church family. Um, hope you are doing well. Uh, I was really, I was asked by some of the uh, Join Airs guys um, to help speak on this issue, especially like all the protests. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, it's mainly the, uh, the situation last week regarding a, uh, an African-American man being pinned down by a police officer uh, and ended up losing his life. And, um, and there just seems to be a lot of conflicting emotions and uh, uncertainty on how we're supposed to think about this. And uh, I watched the videos. I've seen a whole bunch of these little uh, interviews about it. And I think it's wise for, um, as, as one of your pastors, to equip the saints to, to help us think through this biblically. And uh, this is going to be a huge topic. And um, there is no way for me to address every little issue or every big issue. Um, so I, I say this uh, because if you have any questions or if there's anything that I, that I didn't say or you need clarification, you've, you can feel free to contact me um, regarding this. Um, but how are we to think about this? What, what is the basis of how Christians need to think? And it seems like uh, police um, brutalities and injustice seems to be happening every few months and what are we supposed to do as Christians? How are we supposed to think through the subject and what should our response be? And uh, I want to give some biblical realities uh, and just how we are to think about the world that we live in. We're always called to have a biblical worldview and uh, we must have that when we look at this, no matter what the situation may be, there are certain, there's a grid that we need to have so that we can think the way that God thinks. And then afterwards, I want to go to a response and how we are to think, not only think, but also how we are to live out our lives. Um, so I'm going to go first with what is the reality, some biblical realities of the world. First of all, uh, we must know that the Lord sees all things. The Lord sees all things. Now, this sounds like a no-brainer, but it should be. Uh, noted for all of us and be reminded that God sees everything. Uh, Hebrews 4.13 tells us that, For there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Uh, God is aware of everything. He does. He, he knows all of the actions of um, people. He knows all of the, the good and the bad. Uh, no, no other reference. Psalm 33 Verse 13 to 15 reads, The Lord looks from heaven and he sees the sons of men. From his dwelling place he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. Um, and it should give us great comfort to know that nothing that anyone does in this life escapes the eyes of God. Even though we live in a technological age where people are starting to be able to record things and, and um you know, uh, document things. Understand that there are only there are there are certain things that people uh, that are not recorded and are not recorded. Um, there are sins that are committed uh, that no one sees, uh, but the Lord sees each and every single sin, even before all of this video came into play. The Lord knew exactly what this person did, and He knows not only that, but He knows the heart of the individual. He knows um, why they did what they did. He can speak to it objectively if this is sin or is it honoring uh, to the law. Um, there's nothing that escapes the eyes of God. Uh, uh, one verse that comes to mind is Proverbs 15, 
Verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Uh, God knows the things that people do in darkness, uh, but in God there is no darkness. Uh, God can look into the, the wickedness of man. He can look at and see and know exactly what they're doing. And every area of this reality, every every uh, part of this world, in America, anything and everything, God sees it all. So why does this matter? Why do we need to know this? Because most people in our time believe that there are wrongs that are being overlooked, uh, that somehow uh, people are turning a blind eye to things. And although that might be true, the one person that is, that should matter, that who did, that who does not turn his blind, turn a blind eye to evil, is the Lord. The Lord sees the wickedness of man, and there will be a day where justice will be done. A person may not have justice in this life, uh, but they will have their day before the, the Lord. Um, especially if this person doesn't repent, the person tries to hide from their sins, hide their sin from the world. Even if they're doing a whole bunch of things overtly or secretly, the Lord knows. And we need to take comfort in that. That even though the world is always asking for more information, look, the Lord already knows. And we need to trust that the Lord will do all that he, he will do anything and everything to uphold justice because he is the standard of morality. Our God is a holy God and every sin is against him. Which gets to our second point. The first reality is that the Lord sees all and second is that sin is sin. All sin is sin. And this is, is a crucial reminder for Christians to understand. We need to be able to identify sin. Um, for example, this cop clearly sin, uh, but we can't overlook at the fact that right now all these rioters are burning everything, uh, that they're also for some reason not committing any sin. All sin is injustice. And uh, we may, uh, in our own minds, think that there are certain sins that are greater than others, but the reality is that all sin is sin because they sin against a holy God. There is uh, no such thing as a petty crime uh, because there's no because all sin is before before the Lord. No sin is petty in the eyes of God. All sin is sin and is against Him. He revealed to us His attributes and His holiness, and every single sin that man commits, no matter how big or small, is against God. And uh, then that should that should again give us both comfort and fear. Give us comfort because we know that God is the one who's going to judge all sin. But it gives us fear knowing that God sees all sin. Um, it, is, it is easy to let certain sins slide simply because we think that that is a uh, protest. Um, but the man's heart is deceptively and desperately wicked. What can start as something, what can start as a pure motive can quickly morph into sin. And this is why we can't use our current circumstances or our emotions to dictate our response. Uh, Christians must offer something that isn't circumstantial or their emotions because those things change all the time. Uh, some people might see uh, uh, murder of an innocent as sin, but rioting is, is not. Or someone might see lying as, okay, but stealing from a candy, stealing a candy bar from a store is, is, is okay. Ironically, for a society that doesn't believe in absolute morality, People are absolutely outraged at the immoral actions of the cops. We as Christians already know what the world constantly tries to reject, that there is an objective morality, that God is a standard of that morality, and any sin is against him, and he defines what sin is. And a sin is it should offend us because it offends God. Um, all sin is sin, and we need to be 
willing to call those things out. So the first reality is that God sees all sin, or God sees all. Second, that sin is sin. And third, um, morality cannot be regulated. Um, as much as the riots are going on, and uh, one of the common things I see when I'm watching these different interviews of people, um, they're saying that there needs to be some sort of reform, that things need to change, and uh, laws need to be put in place, and, and that those things actually might be true, that certain things may need to change in some areas or sectors, uh, in government or whatever it might be. But as Christians, we must understand that humans are not going to stop doing what they do simply because there's a law in place. Case in point, there's a speed limit in California. Right? California speed limit is around 65 uh, to, I think some people might say even to 75. And I'm pretty sure most of you have decided not to follow those things, even though it is a law. And some people may not even care that you break that law. Again, it's the, uh, uh, a law that's set in place doesn't change the heart. Uh, rape is legally wrong, uh, but people still do it. Child pornography is illegal, but people still possess it. Uh, so what does this all tell us? These type of examples tell us that the law doesn't bind the will or change the heart of man. We can't assume for a moment that just because this country set a new law in place or some reform happens in the, in the police force that all of a sudden things are just going to get better. We can't assume for a moment that uh, what this country needs is a change in the government or some sort of social structure because we know that might change for a little while, but it doesn't change um, in the long term. So in other words, any form of ethnic discrimination or hatred or corrupted police are not going to be done away with just because the law tells you to. And if anything, the law just tells us and just shows us how to pray we really are and that we can't correct these things. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any laws. So why am I bringing this up? Because you can't put all your hope in the laws that man makes. Humanity is sinful and it will do whatever they can to suppress evil, but it does, it will not remove the evil in the heart of man. Uh, there is no true change or hope in any law or policy or regulations, um, because you can't, uh, you can't regulate morality. You can set all of these things in place, but the heart is still wicked. So that's the third reality. In light of the current circumstances, we must remember that the Lord sees all things, that sin is sin, all sin is sin. Third, that you can't regulate morality. And fourth, is that hope is only in the gospel. And this is the most important reminder for all of us. We'll often forget that what transforms the heart is not something external, but only when God changes a person's heart. Even if a law or police staff is changed, or whatever society attempts to make people stop doing immoral things, at the end of the day, the person's heart hasn't changed. There are plenty of people that believe in racial equality that are in hell. There are many people who would who would stand up to what we would call moral things that are in hell. The hope is never in changing the environment around you, but proclaiming the gospel so that the people inhabiting those environments would change. Uh, that's where the true lasting change will come. Only the gospel saves and is where we find our true and only hope. Um, and I hope that as you, as you spend time talking with your friends and family, that you believe this is to be true. Not only that you tell people about the gospel and that only the gospel can change and can regenerate the heart and reform the mind and soul of a person, but you actually do believe that the only hope there is is in the gospel. There, it's very easy for us as Christians to be tempted to think that, uh, that, that peace is found in other things, 
that if, if only of these things were in, the, in place, then we would, then the world would be a better place. Um, the Bible is clear that the world will just become worse and worse over time. We live in, uh, we live outside of Eden, and there is no lasting peace outside of the gospel. So those are the four realities that I want us to remember: that um, that God sees all things. Sin is sin. Third, that we can't regulate morality. And fourth, that the only hope is the gospel. Those are just the basic, big picture grid that we need to have as we think about what we see and hear about on the news about the situation. But what are we supposed to do as Christians? First, I think, grieve. Um, Romans 12 tells us to grieve those who grieve. A person died. Um, from all accounts, he was a law-abiding citizen. He did seemingly um, nothing wrong, and he died. And this is someone that is someone's son. I don't know if he was a father or if he was someone's husband. I don't know those things, but a person has entered into eternity. Um, I've heard that he's a believer, so if he's entered into glory, in the presence of the Lord, then great. Then, uh, he was persecuted wrongly, but yet he is now in the presence of the Lord. We can rejoice in that. But that doesn't mean that it eliminates the grief, because injustice has been done. Um, I think sometimes it's easy for us to be dismissive of people that are suffering. We just might think that's so beyond us and far from us. Uh, but we should grieve, because... Um, Life is precious, the Lord uh, made all of us in the image of God. And we need to grieve whenever uh, something injustice is done to another person who's made in that image. But only Christians understand that. Only Christians could grieve properly because the world doesn't operate in the way that we do. When they, In a world that doesn't believe in objective morality, it is strange that they don't see why, they don't question why do they feel bad. Uh, because the scripture tells us the law is written in our heart. We have a moral compass, and when we see something wrong, we we grieve. It breaks our hearts. Romans 8 tells us that the creation groans for the, the return of the Lord. Um, we live in a fallen world, and there's always going to be reminders that something is wrong here. And when those things happen, we it is proper for all of us to grieve. It is proper for us to feel I'm sorry for this family, or sorry for even the people in the, that 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 he's the how you know, the people that he's impacting in a positive way. Um, we should grieve because they lost someone. And the second Christian response is that we need to pray. Uh, Ephesians 6:18 tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. That we need to constantly make petitions. Um, I've said over if you've been listening to the Esther series, a lot of times that we pray for a government. Um, uh, Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in spirit. And with this view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We should all we should be praying. We should be praying for the conversion of non-believers. We should be praying for the government that they can uphold the law. We should be praying for those that uh, that are impacted, that are hurt by this, that they will give uh, either gospel opportunity or comfort from that can only be found in him. Um, so we should be praying for them. So first is grieve. Christian response versus grieve. Second is pray. And third, live peace. Live peacefully. Uh, Romans 12. I almost say Romans 12 a lot, mainly because I think this is this book, this chapter tells us a lot about how we need to respond in a fallen world. But we need to uh, we need to live peaceably. Um, Romans 12 tells us that if possible, if it's up uh, Romans 12:18, if possible, so far it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. 
one of the uh, attributes of Christian is that we're defined by our peace. Um, we're called not to um, cause problems. Like people will look at us and see something different about us because we have we have we have peace with the Lord. Our biggest issue in life is dealt with, and we are just joyful, peaceful, peaceful people. Which then gets to a question that I think, um, which I think I'm going to spend most time here on. And the question is this, is it wrong for Christians to protest? Is it wrong to seek to, for Christians to protest? You see this <laughs> process happening in different parts of America. Is it wrong for a Christian to protest? Here's how I'm going to answer it. Define protest. In the American context, there is a level of protest that actually honors both the Lord and the government. And that is unique to the U.S., United States. I think some even Western thinking nations are that way, but specifically to, to the United States, it's built into our constitution that we can actually honor the Lord and the government in uh, our protests. And it has to be in that order. You have to first honor the Lord, because he's the person you honor first, and the, then the government. Um, if we were in another country, if you were listening to this and you were in another country, and we were, let's say, all FCPC were in some other part of the world, I would respond differently because there is no, there might not be a law that allows us to protest uh, in a way that it could be pleasing to the Lord and to honoring to the government. So how are Christians to think about protest in the context of the United States? But again, define how you, it depends on how you define protest. In the First Amendment, it reads this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So what's interesting is that these, all of these things, um, there is a law protecting us. Like we can, um, we can exercise a religion uh, based on the First Amendment. Uh, we have free speech. We can speak uh, however we feel. Um, we have even. Uh, the right to peacefully assemble. So it means that you can, you know, when people protest, there's a group of them together, and we can even petition the government for a, a redress of grievances. That means that we can actually make, uh, we can actually talk uh, to the government or, or, or plea that some law is changed in the land. Um, so that's actually legal. You can actually do this. That's why there are these protests throughout. Uh, but the question then is about how a person protests. So for the Christian, you have both the, an American and Christian liberty to protest if you should choose to do so. I have Christian friends in Washington, D.C., and a lot of them joined the uh, uh, March for Life, which is a form of protest. They see that Roe v. Wade is it's a sinful law that's in the land, and they, they protest every year. There's a whole bunch of Christians, all my Christian friends in D.C. area go, and then they, they march. They march for life, and they do it in a way that is peaceful. Peaceable. Um, it is perfectly legal to protest and can also be honoring to the Lord when you protest something that is actually sinful. Again, the only problem is how does one protest and why does one protest is what can be honoring or dishonoring to the Lord. Ask yourself, are you going to protest because you want to uphold biblical understanding of humankind and justice, or are you just going because you just want to have an opportunity to revolt, or are you going out of anger? If you would if you go, would you be able to see, what others be able to see your actions and words and can say definitively that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that the chief thing that defines you is that you follow Christ. Although protesting is legal and permitted, 
uh, in America for Christians, rioting is a sin. Uh, rioting, is a, rioting is the intentional destruction and looting of places, whether it's the anarchists that, that sneak in and try to um, destroy places or the actual protesters that eventually decide, I'm just going to destroy things. Rioting and destroying property is, is wrong. And those properties that get destroyed, whether it's cop cars or vehicles or stores, are oftentimes not related to its situation uh, because it doesn't really help the situation. You're just kind of just destroying things, but it doesn't change anything, um, especially those that like destroy stores. like They have nothing to do with what happened. Um, so is it wrong to protest? Again, it depends on how you define protest and how you do it. If you were to walk the streets during these protests, would people know that you're walking closely with God? If you were struck in the face during a protest, would you do what Jesus said and, and turn the other cheek? If someone throws a racial slur or insult at you, would you return with a blessing? If the police who are still in authority tells you that you need to go home and that you need to submit to some sort of curfew law that's in place, would you submit joyfully and willingly? If you were to exercise all the biblical principles, then yes, by all means, you can go and be part of some sort of demonstration for the glory of God. But if you are not willing and you're not walking closely with the Lord, and your motive isn't to give God glory, then the issue is probably something deeper. The issue for you is not really about justice, but there's something else that's bugging you. So that's my view on protesting. The answer is that it depends on how you do it. Uh, there are ways in which you can honor the Lord and you can honor the government. But whatever we do, we're called to not overcome, be overcome by evil, but always overcome evil with good. And rioting is not overcoming evil with good. Uh, so that's the third point. How does Christian respond? First, we need to grieve. First, we need to pray. And third, we need to live peaceably. Uh, fourth, we need to call out sin. First Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 21 21 to 22 tells us this, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every appearance of evil. The NASB translates abstain from every form of evil, and I think the ESV uses uh, abstain from every appearance of evil. And I like the ESV translation more in this because it's the idea that you as you and I as a Christian, we need to be different. Um, like I said earlier, sin is sin. We can't be people that like that talk, uh, that like, you know, have, are okay with making these little lies, and all of a sudden we see an injustice happens, and we all say, "Oh, that's wrong." No, our little sins that we make is just as bad, because again, remember, all sin is before the Lord. Um, we can't say things like, "Oh, we're okay with um, being lazy," which is a sin because you're wasting. Uh, you're stealing time from your boss, and you're ultimately uh, stealing time from the Lord, and yet uh, see something on TV and call that wrong. We need to call out sin for what it is. Christians are called to live, live distinct lives, and we need to be willing to call out our uh, sin when, whenever we see it, not just this one sin. I know there are a lot of Christians that are really for things like this uh, social justice issue, but are silent when it comes to the abortion issue. Um, there are so, I mean, I just see it on Facebook how people are so fervent about politics, uh, but yet when it comes to actual moral issues that the Bible speak of, that they're silent. That's, that, that's, that, you know what that's called? That's called a hypocrite. You can't at one 
uh, one instance say that you believe in one thing and then you hate sin, and yet in another instance you're okay with sin. Uh, we need to call out sin. We need to call every sin. Uh, every sin that's under the sun, we need to call it out. And that's because that's what we're called to do. We need to expose the things that are evil, um, not not hide it or promote it. Um, so what is a Christian response? I think when you see sin, that you call it out. Um, and not just this issue, but even things, but everything as well. Anything that is sinful, we need to be able to be faithful in declaring that this is a sin and is against the Lord. So first, grieve. Second, pray. Third, live peaceably. Fourth, call out sin. Uh, sixth, or fifth, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Um, I think Romans 12 tells us that we need to renew our minds, that we need to, um, that we need to be, be, our minds need to be renewed by the word of, of God. Um, and that's what we need to be. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove that what the will of God is which is good, acceptable, and perfect. In our day, it's very easy to just be very emotional and be uh, moved into doing things that isn't biblical. Um, but we're called to be sober-minded, meaning that we think clearly. Now, this isn't to say that you can't feel anything, that you should feel angry when you see injustice. You should feel frustrated when stuff like this happens. But that doesn't Compromise. That should not lead to any compromises in your life. You still need to uphold the things that you see in Scripture. You still need to be able to live peaceably. Uh, you know, you don't pay back evil. Have this. Have a humble mind, uh, a, a humble attitude. You know, you need to like all the things that we see in Scripture. Uh, we need to have that in mind, and we need to practice those things. Um, the mind is something that is unique for us because we're, it, it, it makes humans distinct from every other creature in the world. Uh, this is part of what's being made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, and that we need to think critically. We need to know right and wrong. Uh, but you can't be sober-minded if your mind is not saturated with truth. I wonder how many of us spend more time reading comment posts and blog posts about this situation as opposed to going to Scripture and figuring out what is the right response to this. How should I act in this way? Or what, what, how can I comfort those with the, the Word of God? Sometimes we care so much more about you know, news anchors and all of these other opinions, but the, the word that should matter most to us is the Word of God. And that, that should drive us to have a sober mind, to be critical thinkers. Um, that's what we need to be, to be sober-minded. When the world doesn't know exactly what their left hand and right is, we should be able to identify uh, truth and error. So that's the the fifth Christian response. Grieve, pray, live peacefully, call out sin, be sober-minded. Number six, don't return evil for evil. Um, there might be people that hold to a different view from you, and that you might get into some tense arguments, but don't return evil for evil. Uh, Romans 12, 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Uh, if possible, so far, it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. Um, don't return evil for evil. I think that's one of the things that the Christians has lost, in the, especially American Christians particularly, that we've lost this. Uh, we care so much about our identity. Uh, we care so much about our reputation. We care so much about uh, our pride that when we are sinned against, we want to make sure that the other people feel it. I mean, the Lord is the one that 
he's the perfect avenger. He's the one that's going, going to have vengeance. And we need to trust that that's going to happen. Whether that, that person repents and that sin is nailed to the cross or the Lord will deal with them on the day of the Lord. And that's way better than us uh, having our own revenge. Um, because when we have our own revenge, it's always going to be overkill. Or, or it may not even be enough. Because we are so um, backwards with our way of thinking that we don't even know what perfect justice is. That's why God commands us not to return evil for evil. So when you see injustice happening, all the best thing you do is call out sin, but don't don't attack individuals either verbally or in some cases physically. Don't return evil for evil. Um, it's what makes Christians different. Uh, people can sin against us, and we know that ultimately the reason why they hate us. It's because they hate God. They're sinful people. Um, they may not know that we're Christians, but when they attack anyone from the image of God, ultimately in their heart, is that they hate God. They want to reject the fact that God is actually in sovereign control, that they reject that God is sovereign over the universe. Um, and that's why they attack us. And if they do, leave room for the wrath of God. That's what uh, verse 19 of chapter 12 in Romans Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing so, you'll keep burning coals on his head. Is that interesting? That uh, What Paul instructs is that if someone hurts you, bless them. Be a blessing to them. Um, and you understand why that is. is because that's how God treated you. Uh, God gave you common grace before you came to salvation. Uh, he still fed you. He still gave you rain. He gave, gave you sun. He gave you uh, uh, food. He gave you air. He gave you clothing. Even though before you were saved, you were an enemy of God, and he just kept clothing you. He kept feeding you. He kept doing things that you don't deserve. So we can reflect God in this way when people hurt us, when people sin against us and we return um with good we don't we don't we don't we're not overcome by evil so feed your enemies you know care for them love those who persecute you again this is what jesus said is he like love your enemies uh, because he's a, we can love those in the church but can you love those that hate you or or you can love those that hold to a different position politically as you you need to be able to do that because this is what god expects of us so the Christian responds, first to grieve, second to pray, thirdly live peaceably, fourth call out sin, five be sober-minded, sixth don't return evil for evil, and, six, and seventh, and lastly, trust in the Lord. Um, and this is important because he's the only hope that we have. If we believe that he is in absolute control, then what is there that we need to worry about? Everything will be made right one day. Everything. Uh, this is what heaven is about. Like when you read the book of Revelation, you see history moving towards the eternal state. You'll know that all of the injustice that's been happened to that that's been done under the sun, eventually they will be dealt with. Again, either on the cross, on the day of judgment, and we need to trust in the Lord. We need to trust in the Lord at all times, um, because He is our only refuge and our only hope. There's nothing outside of the Lord that can give us assurance. And he knows what he's doing. I mean, if some of you have been listening to my Esther series, you know this is exactly what I've been driving 
home every single time, that you can trust in a sovereign God, that everything he's doing, he's doing it for our good and for his glory. Even things that seem unfair or unjust, God is still working these things out. And we need to trust in the Lord. We don't need to worry about these things. Just live faithfully to the Lord and, and, do, and proclaim the gospel to those in your life. Stop worrying about what the world is going to be like. Just be do your best in living out the Christian life. Um, don't be anxious. Um, the Lord knows what he's doing. Um, that's what Philippians 4 tells us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a call for Christians to trust in the Lord. Don't be anxious about the world. It's easy when we see something wrong to be upset, and yes, and there's only so much we can do about that. But in the end, if uh, you know, God doesn't need you or me in any of these things. He will do what he wills. Um, but our responsibility is to do what the scripture tells us. And I think from some of the stuff I listed, as long as you live, do these things right, you can honor the Lord in light of all the stuff that's happening right now. Uh, so those are the Christian responses. Grieve, pray, live peaceably, call out sin, be sober-minded, don't return evil for evil, and lastly, trust in God. Um, I know this is a huge topic. I'm aware that there's a lot of things that I, I did not address um, and uh, I'm just addressing this now because I feel that as Christians, we need to be able to navigate um, through this time with biblical principles. And I hope that this is, uh, and, and look, uh, there's a lot of uh, confusion going on in the world and a lot of people acting impulsively. But we're, again, called to be sober-minded. We're called to be clear-headed about this whole situation. Um, again, this doesn't negate the emotions that you feel but it just means that your emotions must be driven by Scripture. And the reason why you feel pain is because this offends the Lord. And we hope that justice is done, not in the world, and not in the way that the world defines it, but that God's justice is executed ultimately. Let's close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we do pray for family um, that lost uh, a loved one. And we even play, pray for... Um, these police officers. We don't really know any of them personally. Um, Lord, if it's your will that you soften all the, the police officers' heart, that they really are uh, as evil as the way the media portrays them, that you soften their heart to the gospel. Um, and I know that this is so strange of the world because the world doesn't want that. The world, the world wants vengeance and they want blood. Um, but Lord, they don't realize that all sin is ultimately against you. And that only the blood of your Son is the only thing that can wash away all sin. It's the only thing that can reconcile um, different peoples and, and different communities. And Lord, the gospel is all that we have that can truly um, have lasting positive change. Would you pray for the pastors out there in, in Georgia and, and Minneapolis and all these different places and where, wherever there is protest, that all the Christians will rise not to protest, but to to, to, to show a different way, uh, to, to speak of a hope that is beyond them. Lord, you pray for our governors and all the police officers that you would keep uh, the governors wise in executing uh, how to lead. Um, and we do pray for the cops as well, that you can protect them, even those that are protesting around, that you can keep them safe. 
um, that you keep lost to a minimum because we know that if there's any loss of life, they, they have to give an account to you. And Lord, would you hope that the gospel will be made clear during this time, that people, would, their hearts will be softened um, because of what, uh, of all the things that's going wrong in the world, um, that they can't find answers and they can't find solutions. Um, but the only true remedy to all of that is found in your word. Be with us as a church um, that we could respond lovingly uh, to those that may disagree with us, um, that we uh, act in a way that is worthy of your name, Lord, that the thing that defines us is not that we're social justice warriors, but that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, that we are your slaves, Lord, and may we do all things for your glory. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.